Hello, and welcome to the Catholic Duluth Show. The Catholic Duluth Show is a parish community podcast serving the parishes of Holy Family in St. Lawrence in Duluth, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us this week. My name is Daniel Rota. I will be your host. Uh, with me, I have Father Ryan Ravitz. How is it going today, Father? I am fantastic. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, we're doing this rectory model, as people have heard about, so we're at painting phase. My really good friends, Kelly and Mary um, Conger, they're uh, um, friends from Cross Lake. Uh, I've been coming over and helping out, but they also have my dog. So I don't know if you know this, but folks, I've got a, I do have a yellow lab that is technically mine, but it's really theirs now because um, they take care of him and watch him and feed him and do all that stuff and bring him to the vet, all those different things. I got him um, my first year as a pastor. It was a great location and a great time for me to be able to get a puppy. And a, I had, He's a great dog. Uh, comes from a really great crew of um, breeders and champion dogs, competition dogs, that kind of stuff. So he's a great hunter. I had, we had him trained to hunt as well. Anyways, so Cutter uh, lives with them because... My life here just isn't, it, Cutter would be miserable because he'd be locked in the rectory. So he lives at the lake with them. They're retired. Um, so lives they, the life. They love him. He lives the life. I'm telling you what. <laughs> so Cutter's here. So, you know, I was just over at the house saying hi because they just got in and they're doing some priming in the basement. So I'm, my pants are all full of hair. Cutter's in a shed mode right now. He does it about four times a year. But there's big news. There's big Cutter news this week. Um, so Cutter's life is about to change. He's eight years old. Yep, he turned eight in oh, December. Wow. Um, and so on Thursday, Cutter is going to attempt to become a dad. Big Cutter wow. news. Going to change his world, I think. Wow. <laughs> so I told Kelly and Mary, I said, you know he's going to be running away more now after <laughs> Thursday probably. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, so we've, we we go hunting at this one place, um, and uh, the, the owners of the pheasant farm um, have dogs. And they they breed hunting dogs and sell them to hunters and stuff like that. They've been so impressed with Cutter over the years that they came to us and said, you know, every time you guys come here, we're so impressed by him and we love how he works the field and his look and everything like that and his energy and his he's super healthy dog. They said, would, would you be interested in studying him? And we said, yeah, sure, you know. Um, so, yeah, so Cutter's going to become a dad. Well, good for Cutter. Yeah. So as long as he can figure it out, you know, sometimes dogs can't figure it out, but I think he will. He's smart. Smart dog. <laughs> so big cutter news, folks. <laughs> I'm going to be a grandpa, as they say. <laughs> All right. Well, so I'm good because I just, I just saw cutter and I, you know, got the news that Thursday's the day. Thursday's so. the day. <laughs> That's good. Well, uh, do you want to open us in a prayer? I will. I will. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. Hey, we, Lord, we thank you for creation. Uh, we thank you for animals uh, and the joys that they can bring us. Uh, we thank you for this day. We just ask for your blessing upon our conversation. Lord, in a special way, we turn to you right now, and we just ask that in your goodness, in your grace, in your mercy, that you, you would send us a, a good and holy bishop to lead and shepherd us toward you. Lord, we, we just pray for him, whoever he is, and you know, Lord, who will end up being our bishop. We trust that that you're sending grace to him, and I just ask that you give him the grace to receive your grace uh, in these days. Lord, we thank you for uh, loving us. I pray for uh, all of our families, uh, for members of the parish. Lord, in a special way, we pray for parents just in their, their daily 
struggles and their daily joys in being parents and being spouses. And Lord, just ask for your blessing in a particular way this week upon them. Lord, we, we glorify you in all things. We pray all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Betcha. Uh, well, uh, what's going on this week? So, two things. Um, I'm going to go on retreat on Sunday. Sunday afternoon, I leave for retreat. Um, canonically, so canon law, universally, priests are required to take a retreat every year. And so... Um, every other year, the diocese plans a retreat where all the priests go to one place together and we do a, a retreat in February. And then on the off years, we get to do our own retreats, whatever we want. We can either go somewhere. Um, we can. There's different options for what to do for spiritual retreat. So on Sunday afternoon, I'm going to be heading into the Northwoods to a, a secluded cabin um, at an undisclosed location. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, doing five days of silent retreat all by myself. And so I'll call my spiritual director each day and talk to him about what's going on in prayer and how the, how it's going and get some direction from him as I'm, I'm, I'm praying holy hours throughout the day and stuff like that. Um, I am going to be disconnecting, which I think is I'm super excited for, but also a little nervous about, like, yeah. can I? You know, it's probably going to take mm-hmm. a day and a half to get comfortable not having my phone, not having my computer, not having TV. Um, I know I can do it, like I'm, you know. Uh, but it is, you know, those first couple of days, especially because you're when you're alone and in silence, like it takes a little while to get into that. But once you get into it, it's the most beautiful, beautiful thing. So, uh, yeah, I'm doing a total, total disconnect on retreat this year. Um, and so we'll we'll go out to this cabin on Sunday night, and then. Um, Friday, all the way to Friday morning, and then I, yeah, then I'm, well, I, I don't know if my, I, yeah, then I'm done with the retreat. I'm just going to leave it there, because something's <laughs> happening Friday. Uh, so, you're, so you're not wondering, folks. So Friday night, I'm going to a surprise party, and I I, get, I, I almost maybe let the cat out of the bag there. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> um, you don't know who all listens to the podcast. Yeah, so you never know. I almost let it you out. You never know. So anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that. And then, yeah. um, you know, we've got Lent coming up. I get back from a retreat, and, that, that, and then we're rolling into the mm-hmm. week of Lent, Ash Wednesday. So just want to encourage people to go on Facebook and go to the Catholic Duluth page. You'll see a video that we just posted that's explaining all the stuff we have going on in Lent. Um, you'll see more of that, too. So like our page and um, follow us, and you'll... You'll see updates about what, what's going on in the parishes during Lent. Um, you can also go to the website, catholicduluth.org, and uh, scroll down and find the Lent page and, and go on there. And, you know, Dan, you've put everything up on there. Um, yeah. Soup is the new fish, folks. Soup is the new fish. Learn all about it. Learn all about it. Go to Facebook. Go to the webpage. Great. Well, <laughs> see, we're, we're ready to go, I think, you know? I think we are. We're, we're we're rocking and rolling. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna we're, be uh, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be, it's gonna be a good Lent. Yeah. I think it's gonna be a really good Lent. Yeah. Um. But Lent is not what we're talking about today, though. Nope, we're not talking about Lent. What are we talking about today, Dan? Uh, we were talking about bishops and specifically the election of bishops. Yeah. Because, you know, as we know, we don't have a bishop right now. Right. So we're kind of in this uh, in this kind of no man's land. Yeah, so let's talk about what what happens yeah. in no man's land. As soon as you 
lose your bishop. So he's either reappointed or he dies or he retires. Um, the there's a there's a what's called the College of Consultors. The consultors. So it's a group of priests um, that are the primary consultors to the bishop. And so that group comes together and they elect an administrator um, from amongst the priests. So they elect a priest to be the administrator. And that that person um, takes care of the diocese while we don't have a bishop. So it just takes care of day-to-day business and is in charge, but you know has a limited amount of decision-making. Um, and so it's kind of the placeholder as we wait for a bishop. And so... Um, Ours is Father Jim Bissonette. He led us through this time of not having a bishop when Bishop Schnur left as well. And this is his second time going about just being in that role. And so we're very grateful. Pray for him because it's, you know, it's not, he's a pastor too, and he's got to be running the diocese. So it's a, it's a tough thing. He's also, he was our vicar general. He ceases being vicar general as soon as you lose the bishop, but still has to do the work of the vicar general. Yeah. Just <laughs> doesn't have some of the authorities at the current time. So some things sure. are either slowed down or have to go through different processes, I think, so. Um, so that's what happens when you lose your bishop, um, yeah. be it retirement or, in our case, death, um, or he's moved. Yep. So, so what, um, like, what can can the diocese really do anything without a bishop? Like, you know, I guess organizationally, like, nothing major, yeah. you know. But it, it, you know, one of the sayings as well: what what was in the pipeline continues down the pipeline, typically. Sure. You know, where decisions were already made and things are already moving, you know. And then business is normal, you know. Um, but mm-hmm. typically, our administrator is going to make as few changes or as few big things, you know, um, in this time period. Yeah, there's and there's some things I don't know right offhand, like what you can can't sure. do. I mean, there's obvious things that you wouldn't be able to do, but yeah, yeah, probably can't like reappoint people or. <laughs> um, right? you, sometimes you have to reassign people because you do have you know that that sure. still has to happen. Okay, yeah, sometimes yeah, sure. because it's either somebody's you know, retiring or somebody had already put in a request to move or, you know, there's some of those things are already in the pipeline. So you, but you wouldn't, um, yeah, you, I don't know, you wouldn't found a new parish or come up with a new strategic plan or yep. announce a big capital campaign or, you know, you you, yep. you really can't do any of that stuff. You have to wait for the new bishop's leadership and, and his role. Yeah. So. so as we do kind of wait for a new bishop, um, what does that process look like for kind of you know i mean we're here kind of just going day day to day and then one day they're just say hey this is gonna be your new bishop right but people are doing kind of all that work behind the scenes trying to figure that out yeah so here's here's the deal so if you have questions along the way like just stop me because i i I could talk all the way through this so (laughs) you know never (laughs) watch the clock so what happens um what's going on right now for instance is the archbishop of saint paul minneapolis which is archbishop hebda um, and um, would be calling people, um, particularly priests, and kind of just getting a feel for, okay, well, what's the, what's the state of the diocese? And asking, you know, some people, who do you think might be a, a good candidate? You know, and uh, what kind of priest do you think, or bishop do you think you need? What are some priorities? Kind of what's the state of the diocese? So he'll, he'll make some phone calls to get the process started. Um, and, you know, as you do that and you start to talk to different people, you start to get a feel for that. You start to hear maybe certain names pop up, you know, repeatedly, maybe. Um, or you, you hear different dynamics of what's going on, um, strengths, weaknesses going on in the diocese. Like, what are, what's the next bishop really going to need to 
maybe address or be able to handle or continue something on, you know. So it's the archbishop really sort of leading that charge and learning that um, from folks within the diocese. Um, and then there'll be other people, too, that will be in on that conversation with him and stuff like that. Then they start a process of paperwork um, in which, uh, and this is all done under the, the, the papal seal. So they'll send people paperwork to say, um, okay, here's basically a survey saying, what do you see are the needs? Similar to the conversation, but now it's, it's going to go on file on paper. Um, and here are some of the candidates and questions about the candidates and so they're gathering information about the candidates and strengths weaknesses different things like that so those will be sent out to to different people from priests to laity to religious um in different roles and different positions um so for instance likely members of the diocesan finance council maybe um uh, members of the diocesan staff you know some of them will get will get these um if there are certain candidates, it could be former staff members of the, you know parishes where they were. Um, uh, could be sometimes it could be a parishioners from the former parish or the parish that they're in. If it's a priest, for instance, that they're wondering about. If you get one of those, you're put under the papal seal. You're you are basically it's the pope writing to you and saying you cannot tell anybody about this. And the reason for that is so that there's transparent or there's honesty about. What, what do you think of this candidate and this man? You don't have to worry about him ever finding out what you what you shared. Um, and also protects the guy. So, for instance, you know, if um, if somebody was on that list and somebody, you know, let's say, Dan, you got a survey about me, right? Well, if you tell me, hey, they're looking at you for bishop and this is what I said and, you know, you're being considered, well, that's not going to be helpful to my state of mind for one thing, right? Any yeah. priest. Not, yeah. not just me, but any priest. But then also, if I don't get picked, well, what's that going to do to my state of mind too? Mm -hmm. So there's a big dynamic of like allowing that kind of a process to protect the priests um, and to allow real honesty and authenticity through it all. And so, and it avoids the chit-chat, you know, and rumors and gossip and stuff like that. So there's a, there's a I guess I share that because there's a, there's a really a method to the madness of it and, and why they do it that way. So that will happen. What ends up happening is that um, Archbishop Hebda um, ends up with some files on and both on the diocese, so information on the diocese and the state of the diocese, and then ends up with some files of some potential candidates um, that he would see as good fits. And so he then sends those to the Apostolic Nuncio in Washington, D.C. So it's the Pope's representative in the United States. Um, it, and it's his job, one of his primary jobs as the Pope's representative here, is to then work through these names and files and information and talk to people um, and then send recommendations on to Rome. Um, and he can get recommendations, too, from anybody. So, you know... He could get a recommendation from for Duluth from any bishop in the country, you know, and you know, and he can do whatever he wants with those. So he can send whatever names he wants over to Rome to the congregation of bishops, and so he sends names and reports on, for instance, the diocese of Duluth. At some point, the Apostolic Nuncio, um, uh, who's an archbishop, archbishop out in Washington D.C., he's not the Archbishop of Washington D.C., but he lives out in D.C as our uh, apostolic nuncio. He'll take uh, 
he'll send a file over to the to the congregation of bishops at the Vatican um, with information about our diocese and our current situation and where things are at, and also recommendations for who he would um, suggest uh, for the next bishop of Duluth. Um, based off of what Archbishop Hebda said and anybody else who sent him stuff. The Congregation of Bishops then does basically the same thing. You know, they, they read through these files, they do some investigating, looking at things and stuff, and they then present to, after learning about the diocese and the current status of it and stuff like that and considering different candidates, it then goes to the Pope. And so they'll go and give the Holy Father uh, the file and say, you know, here's the Diocese of Duluth, their situation. Here's our recommendation. They give It's called the Turna. So they give three names to him um, and an order of their recommendation. We recommend this one first and then second, third. Um, the Pope then takes that and he kind of does the same thing. <laughs> um, and he can pick one of those three. Um, usually he's going to lean on the recommendations mm-hmm. of the congregation and all the work that's been done because, you know, yeah. That's just the reality of being top leadership, right? Um, but he also, he he could, you know, name anybody. He could say, well, no, I know, you know, Father so-and-so, and oh, I think he would be good there. So he he basically then sends it back down the chain um, to say, this is who I, I choose. So the Congregation of Bishops will then call the nuncio in Washington, D.C., and the nuncio in Washington, D.C. will then call the individual and let them know that um, they've been asked and selected to be the next bishop of Duluth. Um, and then that, that man either says yes or no um, to, to the request and to the appointment. And so that's kind of how it happens. Yeah. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. And, and I think, um, and I mean, it, it, it kind of seems repetitive r- 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 right away, but I think... That's probably probably makes sense, yeah. you know, because because then it kind of leads and leaves less room for human error. I would, yeah, a, a little well, bit. You, or, I think you probably start to see consistencies, like you know, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Yep. So it's a, it's I think it seems to be a pretty decent um, process of discernment that the mm-hmm. church goes through in it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and if the individual says no, it's kind of it's a little bit of back to the drawing board. Yeah. Um. Sometimes, so. Yeah, and how how long do you, does that process take? From like you know start so, you know, and from start to finish. Right now, they're saying six to eight months is about what it's been taking um, in the U.S. Um, so, particularly in a situation like ours, I would say six to eight months. Where it can sometimes, you know, where it drags out sometimes and does get a little bit longer is if they get a no. They kind of got to they got to go back to the pope and say okay here's another list of 3 cuz this one said no so that takes some time yeah cuz they they have to kind of they don't have to go through the whole process if you will, but, but you know they do have to go through another process like okay he he said no so we got to go back to the holy father and present names again and uh get a decision so you know um I was told of one case where the first two actually said no, so it took him 18 months to get a new bishop because the first two said no. And there's different reasons that a guy might say no. You know, there's a mm-hmm. lot of pressures. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of dynamics to why one might say no. And 
Um, so that's that's you see that happening, you know. So, so yeah, um, you know, the, it's always fun because bishops always talk about you know the, when they got the call. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's always fun to listen to those stories, um, and what they experienced in in getting the phone call from the nuncio. You know, it's kind of the dreaded look at the the caller ID and it's a phone call from Washington D.C. You know, and some maybe know the number to the apostolic nuncio um, or to the house there. Uh, so they they talk about seeing it and going, oh <laughs> no. <laughs> so I've had the opportunity to be have two of my friends become bishops here in the last uh, five or six years. Um, and it's two guys that I go on vacation with a couple times a year. Um, they're really great. Um, and so one of them was actually um, at my rectory on vacation in the middle of winter. Um, <laughs> he was on a sabbatical, and so he came to uh, Minnesota. He's not from around here. He came to Minnesota for the, a week um, during his sabbatical to hang out and just relax and uh, visit. And on the second or third day that he was there, he got the phone call. And I do remember, so when you get the phone call, you're also, you cannot tell anybody until it's publicly announced by the Vatican. And you set a date with the nuncio of when it's going to be announced so you can set your life up and, you know, they set up press conferences and the diocese is informed. So there's, you know, only a handful of people who are going to know about it. Um, but, um, so you can't tell anybody, right? So this good friend of mine and... He got the phone call when he was on vacation in Minnesota at my house. And I, I do, I remember him like answering, you know, seeing the phone and walking back into the room he was staying in and closing the door. And I thought, well, you know, it, he gets lots of different phone calls. So so he was gone for a while and um, and then came out and was like, you know, he was, there was, it was a little different, but I didn't think anything of it, you know? Yeah. And for the rest of the week, you know, uh, he had to hold it in. He couldn't say anything. That would be tough. You know, so we hung <laughs> out and had a great week. We're hanging with lots of different friends and doing all sorts of stuff. He couldn't say a word, right? So the next week it was announced, you know, and uh, I was, I was kind of chuckling. I was like, I wonder when he got the phone call. And so he had called me the night after the announcement, you know, because I watched the press conferences and everything throughout the day and thought, man, he must be having quite a day, you know. And so texted him and just said, praying for you all day, you know, talk soon. And Well, he called me at the, that night. And at the end of the day, you know, and he was like, oh, he said, you know, I got the, he told me the day he got the call. He said, and then the rest of the week, I couldn't say anything. He said, I was going nuts. He says, I wanted to talk about it, <laughs> but I couldn't. I wasn't, you know, so he said it, it was really agonizing because he, he wasn't able to talk about it. And, he, you know, inside the whole week when he's on vacation, he's, you know, going, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. So it's been, you know, it's fun to listen to all their different stories. Uh and to, to hear, you know, about those phone calls. Yeah. Uh, what's something that, I don't know, that, that we could do as a parish, like, as this whole process is going on? Yeah, so pray, 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 pray. That's the biggest thing, um, is to just be praying for the whole process and those involved in the process, and then praying for whoever our next bishop is, to start praying for him now. Um, it, they'll, they'll be effective. So... One of the things we're going to be doing is um, shortly, in short order, you're going to see um, a prayer come out um, that was written by the diocese or somebody from the diocese that was sent out to all the priests sort of for everybody in the diocese to be saying the same prayer. So what we want to encourage is people, when they come, when you come to adoration, 
to pray it. It's going to be in the pews as well, so maybe, you know, you, you can start praying that prayer after communion, um, every time you're at Mass, or maybe you pray that prayer when you get to Mass, or um, also provide copies for you to be able to, you know, maybe take a copy and be able to be praying it every day. Um, we want, we're going to ask people to consider, for instance, if you have a meeting, whether it's the staff meeting or the finance council meeting or the wings meeting or the knights meeting or friars meeting, whatever, to have that and be praying that prayer um, in the in the months ahead. Um, and so that we're all praying that, you know, and maybe it's, you know, parents, maybe it's praying with your kids once a week, you know, um, and saying that prayer or all, everybody intentionally after communion. Okay, everybody, let's let's pray this prayer, even though we pray it silently or whatever. So that's a that's a big thing um, is to just be praying for the next bishop. We're going to be adding it to our prayers of the faithful as well. So our general intercessions at masses. Um, I've already kind of I've already started doing that at our daily masses. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just praying for the process and everybody involved in that process and for whoever the next bishop is. You know, he's out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't know who he is. You know, nobody knows now except for the Holy Spirit. So we just be praying for him. That he can get all the graces he needs to be able to respond with a yes and a, a generous yes, and to be able to step in and walk with us. So, yeah, I mean, you kind of think about it, and even you're talking about your uh, like just talking about the process and everything. Like it's it's a big job. It's yeah. a big, it's a big role, and uh, you know, I think it's obviously a very stressful role for yeah, you know, all, all the bishops. Yeah. Um, and so so yeah, I and it's. If if you're a priest, you know Bishop Serb and I, um, you know, just before he died, uh, him and I went on a trip to a, an ordination out west of a bishop, and uh, I had asked him on that trip if he would do a baptism for somebody who's helped us with some vocation stuff and and whatnot, and he 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 right away said absolutely, and I said oh really? He's like yeah absolutely yes. He said, I never get asked to do baptisms, so I don't get to do baptisms. He said, unless it's like a niece or nephew, you know? So just going from being a pastor, for instance, um, to becoming a bishop is a big change for a lot of them because you don't get the day-to-day pastoral work kind of like you do in the parish where where you get to do some of those more exciting things too, baptisms, even funerals and the beauty of walking with people through funerals, weddings, um, marriage preparations, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's just a whole different um, experience, it seems, for them because they don't get to do some of those joyful things that they loved so much because typically people may not ask them or there's just not time to be able to do some of that stuff. Um, so I remember Bishop being so excited because it worked in his schedule and he loves doing baptisms but never got to do them, you know, or very rarely got to do them. Um, so I think that that's a big change for them, you know, and... You know, it's. I think it's a. It's a lonely role too, because, yeah, you're just in a. You're in a spot where you're leading, um, but you also don't have necessarily the day-to-day connectivity like you do in the parish. That's why I would say it's lonely too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, for me, I get to see a lot of different people and build connectivity in in a way. As a pastor, I'm able to do that. It, it, I think it's a little trickier as bishop, because you're not in a parish consistently. You know. Yeah, and so you get to you know know people. Bishop Serbo was so good at it, but we just need to be praying for him that he 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 can have all those graces to to be happy and to to lead in a strong way and and yeah, live out his vocation. So 
Yeah. Well, you know, as yeah, as these next months go on until until uh, a new bishop gets announced, yeah, we'll just have to you know keep keep uh, him and all the people in the process in our prayers as we go along. So. Yeah. And we need to pray for one another, you know, and pray for the, the diocese and all of us in the diocese that we'll be ready to welcome him and to pray with him and to support him um, and to, to journey and walk with him in the ways that we're called to as Catholics. And so um, through the thick and thin, as you say, you know, uh, as, as we say, as people say. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's just praying for all of us, including him, that, that as the church we can continue to worship the Lord and go to the Lord in his mercy and in all of his graces that he wants to give us and do that together, you know, in the one faith. So, yeah. All right, well, thank you so much, Father. Thank and, you, uh, Dan. Uh, thank you all for joining us this week on the Catholic Duluth Show, and we will see you next week. May God bless you, and may Jesus Christ be praised.